Many say that startups equal the unpolished MBA. Anyone who has built a business from an idea can attest to the fact that the experience is another level MBA, and there's nothing quite like it. Since you must be extremely resourceful and scrappy as a startup founder, quite often doing many things unconventionally, the conventional corporate MBAs consider the experience unpolished. But is it really? Honestly, having been on both sides as an engineer in corporate and then as a startup founder with an MBA, I'd have to agree with those who say that you don't need an MBA to be a startup founder. In fact, I think you learn more on how to build a company as a startup founder than you do in a structured MBA program. In fact, you certainly earn an MBA while on the job, building the company piece by piece. Build the plane on the way down, they say. Well, that's exactly what it is. But there are lessons to be shared to help both sides learn from each other. The Unpolished MBA Podcast, will be the sharing of candid conversation related to topics on both sides of the fence. One is not better than the other, just different. Let's jump in. Hi, I'm your host, Monique Mills. In my work, I get to have great conversations with a lot of smart and interesting people. Some of them are tech startup founders and entrepreneurs in various industries, and then others are corporate employees. I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Tondalea Carter, a realtor with Keller Williams Commercial. And she talks about how it was having her MBA in a corporate setting, but also how it's been helpful to her on her entrepreneurial journey. She also talks about how she basically innovated herself out of a job in corporate and just decided to bet on herself. Listen in to some of the stories that she shares with us in this conversation. I'm going to ask you the top questions that I ask everyone on the Unpolished MBA and just to give people some context on this conversation. Number one, entrepreneur or corporate employee? I am an entrepreneur. So how did you arrive at entrepreneurship? Oh, wow. Um, I think I arrived at it after, let me start. I got my MBA in the middle of the 2008, 9, 10 crisis of everybody losing their houses. I was still, I was one of those people on the chopping block. And so I was trying to figure out how I'm going to prove myself. And I could just gotten laid off from a big company and I went after my MBA. Did you think the MBA was going to help you prepare for yep. getting another job? So you got it. Oh, words out my mouth because I'm thinking, oh, education—that's the next key. Oh, everyone so thinks go that. Go get that MBA, and I'm going to be the next vaccine because I used to work for this big blue company, and everybody loves them. So my resume is going to speak for myself, and I thought that was my path. So close to graduation, probably like 60 days before graduation, I got an opportunity from a headhunter to work for a company and run their, help run their accounting department. So I took it. And main reason I took it because the current company I was at, I was so unhappy um, and I needed to leave. I am spending about two and a half years at the company I took after graduation at position. And I ended up changing their accounting department 
to the point that I kind of streamlined myself out of a job. I didn't no longer needed to work 830 to 5. I could work 830 to 12 and my job was done for the day. Wow. Um, because they, when I joined the company, they were operating on a system that was over 25, 30 years old. They were still mailing out invoices and the people needed to pay them in 10 days. Well, if you're demanding someone to pay it in 10 days, you need to get it to them quicker than the snail mail. Yeah. So, so I had, yeah, I, yeah, I took that and I, I ran with it. First, I was observing how did they run their company. And then another lady that was in the accounts payable department, she said, do what you need to do. She said, stop worrying about how they're running. Cause she said, you can tell that this company's outdated. People had been there for 30 years. I mean, the person, the reason why I got the job is a prior person, unfortunately passed away due to cancer. She had been there for 25 years. So it was a, still the same process. They hadn't changed anything. But, so you innovated your way yep, out of a job. Out of a job, girl. <laughs> and, the, and the owner didn't, the controller, not the owner, but the controller didn't want me to go. He was just like, I know you're bored because he hates to see you're sitting there doing nothing, but you should be doing something. It is a job. But I would tell him, I was like, I've already fixed everything for you guys. Everybody's money's coming in. I mean, it was, it was, the money was much better. We didn't have to have everybody keep FedEx as the checks and to get it here on time. They couldn't find a way for you to continue to provide value to customers, like other positions internally, or they weren't, they weren't innovating. It sounds like they were very old school. So yes. And it wasn't your average business either. It was um, old school corporate. Yes, it's very old school corporate. That building at one time, I'm sure, had at least a thousand employees. Uh, by the time I get there, it was six or seven of us in the whole building. And most wow. of the building was already shut down. Uh, it was a failed business bought out of bankruptcy. And the guy who owned it lived in Illinois. And his, his business model was he bought farms or chicken farms along those lines that were failing he buy them when they went into bankruptcy and he pays cash for them. Well, so that, he, that's, uh, that we, we know people do that in the real estate industry, right? Bingo. <laughs> Go to foreclosure and they already got the money ready to buy. Yeah. So he bought a business, the building and a whole shebang, you know? So, got it. yeah. So I was really coming in the middle of people who had been there forever and I was a newbie on the block and had to prove myself. Um, so it sounds like you got I, into entrepreneurship uh, out of uh, necessity. Yep. Um, I got into out of necessity because I had was sitting at that desk half the time, bored out of my mind. Tran- at the time, I was still running um, real estate deals at the desk, <laughs> <laughs> which I knew was a little disrespectful. So that's why I tried to like go into lunchroom during my lunchtime, make my calls, you know, send contracts or whatever the situation was to, to get that done in an hour and a half. Um, but he, after a while knew what I was doing and he wasn't mad because he was so pleased at what I had done for the company. And he said, well, I understand that you're going to leave. And he said, well, I'm just hiring somebody part-time. He said, because the job isn't full-time. He said, if you want to stay, I'll keep it a full-time job to give you full-time pay. And it still just wasn't enough because I was bored. I am the kind of person I need to go do, feel like I've accomplished something. So after that, I left him. I was working for a friend. She had her own small real estate company. And I asked her, could I join? She and I have been friends before she even opened up the company. As a matter of fact, I helped her open the company because she was a real estate agent that wanted to do her own thing. Mm-hmm. And I helped her get her LLC started and stuff like that because she thought she had to hire a lawyer. I was like, girl, let me save you some money. No. So- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, definitely, that's definitely something people think. And actually, I don't even think you should create an LLC until you see if there's even a demand. Of course, 
real estate, right, there is right. a demand for for that. Yeah. But for so all she of was already companies. in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do so you I think know- having your MBA uh, has been useful to you in this journey, or it has been excellent? It has definitely been excellent. I when I graduated with my MBA, I felt like somebody had given me the magic pill, and my brain opened up. I said, "This is." the information I've been searching for all these years Um, because I knew I knew more I just didn't know how to execute it and I got my MBA it helped me learn to think outside of the box Mm -hmm. Um, the ideas and things that I had it kind of confirmed that I wasn't nuts (laughs) that it was okay to think that way Uh so with me helping her prior to me even working for her getting that started made me feel pretty good. And when I knew I could go to her and say, hey, can I hang my license here? And, she, and I told her, I'm still kind of green. I don't do a whole bunch of real estate because I got you know, chopped down when the market got shot down like most real estate agents did. And um, she was willing to train me. And I learned a lot from her. And I started getting a lot of people asking about commercial. So if anybody doesn't know, real estate agents really do own their own business. They're entrepreneurs. I am 100% independent. I am um, 100% on 100% commission. So this is your own business. So I learned from her how to run a business and how this works and the, how important CRMs are and, and building clientele and a reputation because I really felt like I was starting all over. You know? it's, um, yeah, but it so also I learned sounds a lot. like yeah. you learned a lot about um, building a business in mm-hmm. your entrepreneurship journey once you started connecting once you started working with your friend that was in real estate mm-hmm. see those kind of day-to-day um how you actually do it like tactically yes. i mean you can speak about theory about a lot of different things but actually being in and it's like okay now what do i do mm-hmm. you got that from working from from actually yep. doing it versus in your mba is that is i mean am i reading that correct um, I would say a little bit of both. I okay. would say she taught me, like you said, the hands-on, the, the things that people don't think about when they open a business. They just know they want to own the latest Wendy's restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. she I really know behind the scenes how real estate works and this stuff ain't free. It's really expensive for us to run a whole business. But I knew that that knowledge that I had worked really well in commercial because see the reason why i ended up leaving her company is because she didn't know anything about commercial real estate it wasn't her forte and it's okay so i was trying to learn it and i ended up going with another company because they were willing to teach me what i was thirsting to know that's right so i got to work with business-minded people and business people so i was able to took what i learned with my mba and help apply it to their business give them ideas of different streams of revenue that can help even grow their business more or bring in more money or to reach out to other companies that could work with your company and building different things. And um, I was amazed at how it was so receptive. Yeah. I thought people would have thought I was stepping on toes. No, no. I mean, uh, that's the difference. I mean, because the commercial industry is definitely business minded people it's Mm -hmm. business driven where as in residential real estate you know it's more emotion driven so yes the real estate the the realtors um behave differently um Mm -hmm. as we talked about Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the beginning i hope you're finding this interesting so far 
Because in this second part, Tondalea provides an example of how business comes her way just from being a decent person as an entrepreneur. Believe it or not, we take that for granted in a corporate environment because in corporate environments, it's expected that people behave professionally. But in entrepreneurship, it's definitely not a given. Everyone kind of creates their own terms of engagement. Listen to Tondalea's story that she shares about working with another agent. She has a client that she thought would be interested in his listing. But she said, I know nothing about commercial, but I'm trying to help this guy. So some commercial agents, from what I'm learning, would have been like, well, can I just talk to your client and bypass her? Mm -hmm. I didn't do that. I was like, okay, well, that's okay that you don't know commercial, but what is it that your client's looking for? Because I wanted her to understand what I was selling. I wasn't only selling, I was leasing a space and selling the building. She wasn't aware that that was even an option in commercial because she doesn't do commercial. So I was able to communicate with her and explain to her my process, how this works. The guy didn't take the building because what he wanted to do with it was not possible. And that just make a long story short. But she still kept in touch with me and said, well, can you still help me with him and help me find a space? Because I told her, I said, I can't go any further. We would have to start talking about contracts at this point. And so she asked me to come join her and help me with this guy. So I'm, you know, still trying to find a space for this guy because she still wants to learn a business. I don't mind teaching a little bit. Um, And then she calls me two weeks later and said, hey, I got another client. Can you help me with? He wants to buy investment property. The power oh, of relationships and just being a decent person. That's really all it was. And she oh, said, man. She said, you are so nice. You're really helpful. You answer all my questions. She said, I'm promising you nobody will help me like you do. But the thing is, she said, you know why I like you? And I was like, why? She said, because you communicate. Mm-hmm. You talk to me if I ask you a question you email me or you call me back or you say hey I can't talk but I will call you back you communicate she said we have commercial agents in our office they won't communicate with us and they just and they treat my people badly that's a whole word right there Tondalea can we please dig into that a little bit so um (laughs) we talked about before about commercial and residential and all of that there's a certain personality type mm-hmm. in each right so mm-hmm. when she talk about nobody's you know communicating communicating tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. that how do you communicate versus how she normally sees it done well she'll say that she'll give um joe Smo a lead and say hey my friend's looking for this and they'll take it and they either won't communicate with the client well, and that turns into a poor relationship on one side. And when she wants to follow up and say, hey, did you talk to my friend, Billy Bob? They don't respond via email. They won't respond to a text. She said, I probably have to chase them down and say, hey, remember that lead I gave you? Because she wants to give an update because she wants to keep that relationship that she has with that person. So I want to make sure they're happy. And she ends up getting the update from the client that when it didn't go well. So now it's a whole negative conversation. It's a mess. And that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think uh, entrepreneurs can learn something in corporate (laughs) when it comes to that. Because in corporate, you know, you you have someone, um, you know, who's going to, 
check you, follow up with you about that. And it, and it, and it can be detrimental. And I don't know why entrepreneurs don't see that as being detrimental. You're ruining your brand and relationships. Yeah. You don't know who the next person knows. Mm -hmm. That next lead that she gave me is a million dollar lead. I didn't have that any other way. That's right. It's about, yeah, it's about relationships, being a decent person. The things that you just mentioned that you would even bring up in conversations with clients or potential co-oping agents, without your MBA, you really don't even think that way, right? You don't even think that way. It completely changes your, your, yeah, your outlook on what's possible. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, because when you're getting your MBA, you're going through all these different case studies and you're studying companies that you've heard about and you're seeing how they pivoted their business and you're going, whoa, they did what? They hired and fired and moved and closed. And you're like, okay, this is how business really works. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in corporate America, you're the one that's supporting that business. And you don't always get to see every size of the, the coin. So yeah, definitely, MBA definitely gave me what I needed. And so I felt more confident talking to people about it. Um, I, I had a conference call this morning with a new potential client and she's so excited. She's ready to do her own thing. And it's a retail space and she already has clientele, but it's some things that I knew she didn't think about. Now, you know, I always ask these little people. So there was a personal journey uh, in there about my critical thinking skills or how I might problem solve a little bit differently. Um, where in my, you know, MBA program, it was case study work and things happening, you know, with that and how I can apply a real world example and make that uh, academic theory become a little more tangible or, or crystal. Um, but do I think you can be successful without a formal education? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it helps and you might avoid some mistakes if you understand some of the basics of, you know, the financial end of running a business and having a strategic plan to guide you for mm-hmm. some goals? Mm-hmm. I think that helps a lot because there is a lot of waste in terms of finances, time, resources, uh, helps your branding, et cetera. You know, when you're a little more solid when you come out to market or go to market with your new product or solution to a problem in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But um, I think all the pieces work together and everybody has a piece of knowledge to share. And I often, very often hear this kind of clash, you know, between yeah. the big corporations and the small businesses. And well, you didn't jump in and take the risk. So how do you know <laughs> you're taking yeah. the safe way? It doesn't matter which comfort is with your risk inversion really it matters on sharing the information so you're in a business partnership to move forward and be productive and successfully grow your business one of the things uh you've mentioned is that you wanted people to understand how important it is to use business partners right to to grow their business (laughs) faster and all of that sometimes i feel like those who don't have the formal education don't know what that looks like or how it should be structured you mentioned strategic Mm -hmm. planning right um which is a big factor in like just organizing what you're planning to do this year, this quarter, this week, this month, right? Mm -hmm. It's just helpful in doing that. But tell me a little bit about your thoughts on like 
business partnerships, strategic partners, which I encourage people to do, especially small businesses. So tell me your thoughts on that. Absolutely. So to give you a clear uh, example um, from my day job. So, you know, in my large business life and my corporate life, um, there's different networks and value add alliances that get extended onto our small business customer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you could have a school of customers that'll jump on and take advantage. And then you have the other, they're working really lean. You know, they have X number of employees. Yeah, we see it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But where they miss it is how it helps them scale their business potentially. It's very low cost, very low risk. And I can guarantee um, you go through all your corporate partners, they're going to have programs to help enable small businesses at very low risk and very low capital uh, requirements to help grow your business. Because the bottom line is when the small business is growing, so is the corporation. When you're talking about um, a strategic alliance, so now flip into my dissertation work or more on my consulting uh, work, you know, we want to look at the fit of the partner. What's the risk? What's the intellectual property that might be being exchanged between the two companies? Um, and what's happening if, what's the risk of not engaging? And I think people miss that. Am I duplicating technology that's already been developed or that's a product right. that's already out there and I'm not really improving it? Mm -hmm. So you're reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. So by putting those partnerships in place, you can leapfrog steps and it's going to lower your investment costs. They may access and have knowledge and connections to get your product to market faster or to increase your sales because they know X, Y, Z, you know, at the commercial end of the product development process uh, to get your, your market out that you don't have those connections because you're just getting started or you're in a middle market. Uh, so you can get those introductions and expand your network, which can be quite invaluable to grow your business as well as innovate your business. Bingo. That is going to be underlined and highlighted in the transcripts for this one for you. <laughs> Before we jump off, I want you to spend 30 seconds, a minute telling us, because you've mentioned a couple times about your corporate role versus outside of there. So explain to the, explain to me a little bit what you mean, what you do in your corporate role and your day job, as you say, and what you're doing outside of that, as far as your entrepreneurial pursuit. So my corporate role, um, I negotiate different pricing agreements. Uh, within my industry for the small business market. So I probably worked easily uh, over 17 years with about 10,000 small business owners who have had that garage to, you know, very successful integrated businesses. Um, so I definitely have had a lot of exposure to small business that way and uh, helping their businesses. In terms of my own personal uh, consulting business that I've started since my dissertation, uh, that's named Tempo 7, and I'm consulting with biopharmaceutical, high-tech, uh, scientific organizations to help them evaluate their innovation ecosystem to look for those partnerships or evaluate their uh, innovation strategy to help reduce their costs and get uh, things to market a little bit faster. Okay, that's it. Bethany has a remarkable background. She talked about growing up with parents who were on both sides of the spectrum, 
One was an entrepreneur without formal education and the other had the education and the corporate experience. And they complemented each other quite well in their family business. She also talked about the difference in a PhD and a DBA. And as a DBA, it's not surprising to me that in addition to her day job, she serves as a consultant to high-tech scientific organizations to help them apply business concepts to their innovations. We talked about the importance of leveraging business partners, and we even talked about her experience in Japan and mom shaming in our own community. Again, I'm thankful that we've had a trailblazer in the U.S., like the late Justice Ginsburg, so that phenomenal women like Bethany are able to make their mark on the world. The Unpolished MBA conversation continues, and you can be a part of it by going to unpolishedmba.com. Thank you for listening.